Greetings, you've landed at the VUC, IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com for their support. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from OnSIP.com, and you can go to GetOnSIP.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full-color, full-featured, full-HD conference bridge. Our website, VUC.me on the web, is hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. This is the VUC, and this is a... Um, an unusual moment of the at the end of the year where we're not numbering them because we've had the pleasure of talking to a bunch of people. And today, I managed to trap him, Mr. Mustache Chris Matthews with us. Chris, it's been too long. Hey, Randy, way too long. I missed you guys. We miss you. And maybe with all of these things we were talking about, Wire, IRC, um, what, what are your other uh, things that you use? We reveal how we can reach you. Twitter, direct message on Twitter, maybe? Yeah, Twitter and then uh, you know Facebook messaging and uh, Skype, IRC. And then I saw your chatter today on Wire coming across my iPad. And I would forgotten about that one. I hadn't used it in a long time since it first came out. And uh, so I've got that open, uh, chatting with you guys there. And uh, Seems like there's usually a few others, like you know now you know link or whatever you got to use for the business you know mm-hmm. side of things, and it's just too many too many uh, chat clients, right? It may be nice to pull all these together. Oh, right. and Slack! I forgot about Slack. Everyone's using Slack now, and I, I can't stand it. Oh, you're not using it? Okay. <laughs> I use it. I use it. You know, because that's where we we do a lot of team discussions, mm-hmm. but. It's really complicated having lots of chat rooms, setting those up, bringing people in. It's you know, they, they all seem to have pros and cons, you know. Well, Slack is maybe the most sophisticated and feature feature rich of all of them because with the bots and all the things. We were talking about this the other day. Um, I don't personally use it because I don't have a team and need all these features. So all I care about is grabbing somebody and getting a back and forth going. It doesn't matter. It could almost be SMS if there was a real keyboard because I'm not good on right. a mobile keyboard. Right. In fact, we do fall back to SMS. Do you find yourself falling back to SMS with it, with many people, or do you know everybody I, that's more advanced? No, I, I, I still do. I mean, you know, like my mother and 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 a lot of you know my brother, even in in Australia, a lot of these these uh, folks still drop down to SMS. You know, I think it's like the lowest common denominator. I think it's like across all of them across countries. You know, it's it's the one that that people just depend on. And it has one other advantage, which used to be the advantage of fax, and kind of still is if you if if you can have <laughs> handle fax, which I think all, m- many of us think it should have died a couple of years ago. But the other advantage of fax was always that you could send it at any time of the day, and it's not going to wake somebody up. It's not going to bother them. And uh, SMS, uh, assuming that people deal with their notifications, like turn them off at night and all that, you can do the same with an SMS. And and there's a fairly good chance that they'll get it, although I've heard cases where people do not get SMSs, of course. Carrier dependent, right? And then I, I've heard of some, some uh, new security SMS companies popping up where they're trying to do like uh, encrypted healthcare or military, whatever type messaging over SMS. So... Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of been been around a long time, and it's had many different uh, uh, applications, I guess, built around it or over it. 
the the thing about it now is that it's mostly unlimited with with most of the deals you're going to have uh, in this country. I mean, everything's unlimited now. We're really lucky to have all the competition. Anyway, we could go all we could go on and on and have a a drink and a coffee and do like we do at the Astrocons and all of that. But I really want to talk about a little more more about you and what you've been doing. Uh, and before we talk about 2015 and what that's meant to you. We really need to kind of introduce you because, um, as we were saying a minute ago, you and I met at an Astrocon. We actually met online before this, but the Astrocon in, I think it was maybe Phoenix, where a bunch of people showed up and it was really fun. That was already five, maybe seven, six, seven years ago even. Yeah. And at that time, uh, what were you doing then? Do you re- Can you remember? I'd like yeah. to hear more about your background. Tell people. That was pre-Telephone. Yeah, it was. So that was, um, I had built a company called Teleku, and Teleku was acquired by Voxeo, and that's how I came right. to work with the Tropo gang uh, for a couple of years there. Um, and what did I that had, do? What did that do, Chris? Yeah, so that was kind of interesting. It was, in my mind, it was a Tropo slash Twilio competitor. It was a telecom API, but I had a different approach to it. What I did was I took a voice XML uh, gateway uh, protocol, you know, just the voice XML uh, um, uh, language, if you will, and and added an API to that. So basically this Teleku API would give you telecom API capabilities on top of any voice XML platform. So, you know, out of the box, you know, I already had, you know, Capabilities to do speech recognition, text-to-speech, you know, a lot of stuff that Twilio uh, didn't have um, right out of the gate with just by using existing technology but applying a standard API very similar to Twilio and, and Tropo. So, um, you know, we, we became really good friends with, with Voxeo and all the folks at Tropo, and it was just a logical, a logical fit there. I wasn't actually producing much sales, <laughs> and I uh, found that, you know, by working with, with uh, those guys, we, we could um, – we could do a lot more together. Yeah, and I, I remember that, and I think that that was the context uh, at that time. Uh, then you got into the next thing was, would that have been the Twitter thing? Yeah, um, yes, uh, there was one before that. So um, so I sold Telecu to Voxeo, and then uh, while I was at Voxeo, I started building a company called uh, Nodester, which was a Node.js hosting platform as a service. I ended up selling that to AppFog, which I think they sold to like Cit- Cit- CityLink, something like that, um, CenturyLink. And then, um, yeah, then I started working on um, Telephone. Started, started playing with this idea about, you know, I, I had this whole thing where you log in with your Twitter account, and it was basically browser-based Skype, you know, when WebRTC was first getting started. Um, but the idea was is that you could call anyone with a Twitter handle. You know, if they had... If they were logged in, it was kind of like a, you know, we were talking about add-ons for SMS. This, in my mind, was an add-on to Twitter, where it was bringing real-time, you know, voice and video communications to Twitter. And um, I think I dabbled on that for about a year. Um, and at the same time, I was playing with this idea of Skynet, which we were talking about earlier, Skynet.im, where I, I really saw the IoT opportunity coming and, and everything, you know, increased number of devices coming to the market and really frustrated with each application, each device having its own application. And, you know, I was sitting there watching uh, Terminator Salvation, you know, like, like we all do hundreds of times. And it kind of all hit me like a, like a brick that... Um, 
if 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 we if there was a, a platform like Skynet, but for good, that uh, you know let all of these different protocols talk to each other. Like when you look at watch Terminator, like you know the drones are talking to the uh, the Terminators and talking to the Hydrobots. All of these things are talking on this mesh network. You can't take it down, and they're speaking different languages, and they're all in sync. Machine to machine instant messaging is what what we kind of labeled what we were building with Skynet. And uh, uh, we realized, I, I had a, a, a business partner that uh, we, we were trying to figure out what should we build a company on? Should it be Telephone or should it be Skynet? And we couldn't really figure out a, a, a good way to monetize Telephone and saw this huge potential opening up in IoT and just decided, you know, it, it we put all, we stopped development on Telephone and put all our focus on uh Skynet, which later became Octoblue, because we realized we couldn't sell a product called Skynet to a business. <laughs> now, surely, surely, was that your realization, or was that somebody else's realization? No, that was my business partner, Ramlet. Uh, but, you know, I, he wanted to change it, like, right away. In my mind, we had so much traction from developers, you know, building Skynet, wanting to get in, involved in Skynet. It's all open source, so... Um, I wanted to keep that going until we actually got a cease and desist or something. You know, maybe maybe keep the company Octoboo, but keep the platform name Skynet. But we ended up having to change, you know, just our own reasons. You know, we we wanted to just make a cut. You know, try to try to focus on the business side of things, and we renamed Skynet uh, .im to Mesh Blue. So everything kind of Octoboo related. You know, our gateway is called Gate Blue. Our old Skynet is Mesh Blue. Everything's kind of got a blue. Flair to it. And if uh, people are listening and are interested, I'm on a site. I hope this is the right one. That's Octoblue, O C T O B L U dot yep. com. Is that it? Yep. Good. That's it. Yep. I'm glad because it does say connect everything, connect anything, connect everything. I love uh, concise yep. statements like that. Yeah, and then and then a year ago we were acquired by Citrix. So uh, now now we're we're back working working at Citrix, trying to figure out how can we automate. Um, you know, all, all sorts of things, you know, whether it be share file or automate your meetings like a good meeting or um, uh, net scalers. There was a cool uh, blog post I did the other day where if, if, you know, a lot of people are using Splunk for doing like uh, threat, cyber threat detection in their networks. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if Splunk detected something like uh, uh, what they call the Superman use case where I log in in Phoenix, but someone else is logging in as me in China. You know, you physically can't can't do that. Uh, so Splunk could tell Octoblue to say, uh, "Hey, um, you know, block those ports or something. Block those IP addresses on a Netscaler that Citrix, you know, has running in in uh, your infrastructure to um, stop a, a threat." You know, so there's a lot of interesting things. And every time I talk to someone of how they're using Octoblue, I learn that. Uh, that that you know it's best to stay out of like dictating how to use it and just let people you know use it as a platform and build whatever they they want to build on it right uh i'd like to hear about so the acquisition or your work with citrix began in 2015 or not or was it before uh, it was it was uh almost as a uh, it was december 14 so it was just we just celebrated our one year anniversary with with uh, the, citrix okay right and i'd love to hear about how that went down i mean you're still there so obviously it's 
somewhat pleasant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we spoke to Emil about the acquisition of Jitsi, for example, and he was really happy with the way all that went down. I'm not asking you to grade the experience, but more to tell us a little bit about that and how you... Do you feel empowered, for example? Because you obviously have more resources now, way more. Well, we, we our team has stayed about the same size-wise. You know, we're still talking, looking through what, is, what does IoT mean to Citrix? We're still evaluating that. Um, we know that it adds value to all of Citrix's core products. So um, that, that's, uh, that's a no-brainer. We're making Citrix products better. Plus all the other things you can do with IoT, like smart cities or, you know, or, or military type type uh, use cases, etc. Um, but um, for Citrix, it, it was uh, one of the best experiences I've had uh, moving into a, 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 a new company with with through an acquisition. Um, you're always fearful being being the entrepreneur that that they they shut the brand down or. Or you know, just move you into doing back office type integration work. And Citrix uh, kept the brand. They they said that is it had good good uh, a reputation in the IoT space, um, and uh, they let us be fairly autonomous. Um, we stayed in Phoenix, so the whole team was based in Phoenix originally, and and luckily there was an office, uh, a Citrix office, uh, about three blocks up the street, so we didn't really have to move much. Um, and uh, they, they've allowed us to to stay fairly autonomous, building building out uh, um, Octablue. You know, having it, having it, we we did a little bit of a pivot. You know, focusing more on office uh, automation, enterprise automation, uh, which you know that's kind of Citrix's you know main you know main clientele. You know, it's enterprise business, mm-hmm. um, which is still good for us. I mean, if you if you connect. Uh, ShareFile, for instance, it's the same same type of principles connecting any other API, really. So, um, I, I think that's what why the platform's so versatile. It, like in addition to ShareFile, it does still support Box and Dropbox and Google Drive. So, like like you just read on that tagline, Randy, uh, connect anything to everything. We believe that you know the best of breed products will stand on their own. You know, so just just connect everything and see how people use it. So, in that pivot to enterprise, what what fell out of scope then for, from where you started? Yeah, so where we started, so I, I kind of skipped a spot. Um, I was working for Bechtel um, before starting Skynet, and Bechtel's like the world's largest construction company, $30 billion privately held company. Um, and we we were looking at this idea of, Sky, of Skynet from a, uh, a an industrial IoT perspective. We saw all of these, you know, uh, crane sensors and and uh, seismic sensors for earth movers and all of this this uh, these sensors that you know potentially could make uh, a job site, a construction job site, more safe or uh, more productive or more real time. You know, knowing what's happening, you know, through various measurements. So we focused our, our focus was really industrial IoT. Then when we started releasing a lot of videos and, and uh, source code and, and getting involved with people that wanted to build on top of Skynet, we stumbled on, a, on, on the maker community. So the makers came at us really strong, and they brought in you know Arduinos, Raspberry Pis, and home automation, a really, really big interest on buying like, you know, uh, Belkin Wemo outlets, Philips Hue light bulbs, um, you know, all of the Best Buy over-the-counter uh, products, MyQ garage door openers. So we, at that point, we, we kind of 
I don't want to call it a pivot, but maybe it's a focus. We kind of we kind of shifted focus from industrial to maker and home automation type capabilities. And now with Citrix, it's, it feels like we've done the full 360. Now, now you know, having focused on office uh, automation, it feels like we've kind of caught all, all, all three of the main areas. And then along the way, we did a lot of work with IBM on connected cars. We, we did uh, the, a rally fighter from local motors. And then most recently, the 3D printed connected car, IBM's car, we, connect, we wired with OctaBlue. So um, that was at the SEMA show. So, you know, I think, I think instead of calling it pivots, we learned a lot shifting focus uh, around different, different disciplines. But all of that, that technology still runs on top of OctaBlue, which is interesting. And what we learned was connecting an industrial sensor is not much different than connecting an Arduino sensor or something like that, you know. So I, I think it made the platform better. It, it, that's interesting because the idea is kind of all-encompassing, but it's impossible with a manageable team to do something that is all-encompassing. You have to have a focus to actually show some progress, right? You're absolutely right. And what we did earlier on is is that we open-sourced all the plugins too. So we have an open plugin architecture on adding you know, either APIs or devices, you know, even wearables. So we have a BLE wearable gateway as well for mobile devices. Um, and we've kind of left that challenge to developers. You know, say, hey, if, you know, you're a developer, you wanted to add something we haven't thought of yet. Um, you can write your own plugin for it and we can, uh, you can send us a pull request. We'll curate it and add it to the stack. Makes me wish I was a developer. Honestly, I'm going to need to roll up my sleeves and get into a few things because they're the, particularly in the home automation front, the the package stuff is either um, limited in what it can or will do. You know, so many islands, uh, expensive islands to be on. I might add, I might add, um, and then also, um, you know, it's either that or it's more or less DIY. There are limits to what you can do with if this, then that. But, you yeah. know, Michael, that's never stopped me. I signed into every possible site. I've joined every site. I've gotten every $50 credit or $5 credit or whatever it is. I don't care if it's hosting, programming. And, Chris, this brings me to a question for you because I'm on the thing right now on octablue.com. And yep. it says, get started. Uh, by the way, I love the way this uh, site is set up. I think this is really good. Oh, uh, thank so, you. So I clicked on get started, of course, because that's what I would do. And um, it's got the usual, you know, get, you can uh, use I, for ID, you can use GitHub, Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, or email. Yep. And I just wanted to ask you to describe, I'm going to do this later. I won't do it live. Uh, but so I sign up. What can I then do, kind of, you know, in a very most general way? What do I do then? I look at the docs and go, okay, I'm going to mess with this. Or what's my yeah, experience so, at that point? So, it, it, to to Michael's point earlier, uh, IoT is kind of complicated, right? So, I mean, there's so many different types of devices to connect, and they all connect differently. Hey, there's James. <laughs> hey, James. Um, that uh, what what we've tried to do is simplify it. We have a drag and drop designer that that makes it so you don't really need to be a programmer to start doing automation. Um, you can say, and and we have a uh, two two automations already in in your getting started. Um, one of them one of them calls like your weather, checks your weather, and then lets you you know text yourself or something like you know the the current weather temperature wherever you're looking at, and and then there's a stock market one as well. So you can like you know watch stock tips and do do various things with them but um 
what we and we've got some getting started uh, walkthroughs that that hopefully start teaching you how to drag and drop and what each of the the tools you know represent because um and oh and there's one more thing we added a uh, kind of a little IoT marketplace that you can we call it Discover Automations kind of like Gift has uh, recipes mm-hmm. where you can kind of walk through and say oh I kind of like this thing that that Chris wrote you know maybe it, it's changing your lights uh, in your, your home office based on your Twitter sentiment analysis of a hashtag or something. So you can you can grab one of those automations and drop it in your designer and start playing with it. And that's probably the easiest way to get started. Maybe James will um, want to, he's buying a bunch of light bulbs. Maybe Indeed, I was going to ask Chris, I mean, what, what uh, light bulbs do you use to reveal <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I use the Philips Hue light bulbs. I love those. Um, we've had really good luck with them, um, but you could use LifeX. The LifeX bulbs work well, too. Um, we also have a Wink uh, connector. If you're into that, uh, you could you could run whatever Wink supports, but uh, Philips Hues have been pretty good for us. Yeah, they're pretty damn expensive. So I've been looking at the uh, the Chinese things, and they, they're about, oh, what, about six pounds for a for a five watt bulb and nine pounds for a nine watt bulb wow. or something like that with uh, 2.4 gig. It's not Wi-Fi. It's some kind of pr- proprietary link, but um, they appear to be remarkably affordable compared yeah. with you. Yeah. Especially if you're doing your, your whole house, right? I mean, you, you're dealing with a lot of led bulbs. Um, there, there was a company that was, that was selling some, uh, I thought they were, Hue compatible, if, if that's if that's possible, that were like twenty dollars uh, a light bulb, but they were not color, so they were just like uh, you know regular LED lights with uh, dimmer dimmer capabilities. Which you know, I think for the most part, well, I mean, in looking home, into them, yeah, yeah, and I I found um, a whole load of people now who have worked out how to directly control them from things like Raspberry Pis and things like that, because at the moment. Because it uses a proprietary uh, air protocol to the bulb and the the little Wi-Fi controller thing, you yep. actually have to have the which is all a bit kind of boring, really. So so people have worked out and kind of reverse engineered the protocol. So yep. now you can just do the entire thing on a Raspberry Pi, which is much better. Yep, absolutely. And and like when we interface uh, so with you, the Philips, oh, go ahead. So you, so you end up with, uh, I don't know, $15 bulbs, like big, bright, uh, RGB-capable $15 bulbs. That's um, great deal. Which you can uh, afford to put in every single light socket. Yep, yep. And so I'm looking at um, um, at applications like, you know, the the deaf person's telephone ringing where where all the lights local to where you are um, then flash red or, or something like that when you get an inbound phone call, or even even better, uh, wife warning alert, <laughs> so that when when Sophie, my wife, is uh, uh, a kilometre down the road, all the lights in the house just flash beams red to warn me that her uh, is imminent, so that I can be nice and tidy and ready with a cup of tea in my hand when she walks in through the door. We. We that yeah, like she breaks the geofence and then it triggers a bunch of automations that that uh, clean things up and turn turn the lights back off of party mode and yeah, we we were playing with um the all join protocol uh to send messages to TVs so like if the kids are you know playing video games you know maybe it can say hey dad is arriving in five minutes you know, you better get your homework out 
yeah, that sort of thing is useful. Yeah, it is. And just reduces the, the level of stress. Or even um, when uh, I arrive at the railway station coming back to London, it's something like um, turn the heating on in my little den. So when I arrive there to pull my bits, it's nice and tasty for me. Because it, it takes what twenty minutes for for the den to warm up, so yep. um, yeah, it just thinks ahead. You know, we we connected the uh, the CEO of uh, of uh, Citrix um, had a a Tesla, so we connected the Tesla to uh, Octoblue as well. And there's a bunch of uh, there's probably uh, I'd say six dozen or so uh, APIs like Tesla connected to Octoblue. So. You, you can do the same thing. You can like start your car. Uh, you know, you can say, Hey, you know, 15 minutes before my meeting or whatever I've, I've got, you know, go ahead and start my car. Um, one of the guys did a cool flow on it where, uh, he would check his Tesla's battery state, uh, every night at eight o'clock. And if it was under 50%, it would send him a text message to remind him to plug it in. So it's like, you know, you kind of think of those little, what, what can you do to add more convenience to my life? You know, how do, how do you make life easier? Um, those are always interesting to me. But we need to move to the next step, and I'm going to tell you what I meant by that in a second. But I wanted to interrupt you just to say that if you're interested in what Chris Matthews has been up to, he's actually been on our site a couple of times. And I think the most recent would have been VUC 532 which is entitled The World of Chris Matthews. So that has to be a good one. But the one before that, Chris, just to show how much time you leave between visits, get vocals teleku with Chris Matthews. So wow. uh, no, and that not, wasn't even numbered. Yeah. That's an old one. Anyway, I wanted, to ask, I wanted to mention, because this just happened to me. Um, so we had a... We have a water heater. The water heater has its pressure in bars. So this is all electronic stuff, right? So yeah, the water yeah. heater could be telling somebody, hey, I'm down to eight, dot eight bars, uh, do something here. But it could also be telling the radiator that I had to go manually turn off when I found the leak yeah. that, you know, I had to get it out, cut it out of the circuit. Point being, the next step in all of this stuff isn't to... to oh, I should charge my battery. It's to tell the battery to charge and go find the charger, I guess. And in my case, the radiator, you really need to tell the radiator, hey, you're leaking, go offline. And so this is something that, you know, it's actually, if you had the sensors and the relays and the solenoids, whatever you need physically, it's it's dead easy to do already. Uh, Leading up to my question, two things. What do you see coming up now in 2016 and the one of the big concerns that everybody has been talking about is security because there doesn't seem to be a lot of security built into some of this stuff so i'm going to open that whole can of worms and let you talk about whatever you'd like in the to the future of this thing well those are really good questions and and to your point about um uh machine to machine instant messaging that was really the catalyst behind the whole skynet thing is that we didn't want the human to have to tell you know, the light to turn on anymore. We wanted Twitter to tell the light to turn on or, you know, a light to tell the, the thermostat to do something, and, whatever. And you did this, by the way, the world of Chris Matthew thing, the VUC 532 was a demo of that. You did a demo where you oh, turned cool. something on and back. Yeah, so go ahead. Cool. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's good. So, but security, you're, you're absolutely right. That is uh, uh, the, the lion's share of a lot of the discussions or the anti-IoT <laughs> Efforts are, are basing, you know, the reasons around security. It's not good enough yet. Um, we just got a patent issued to us on IoT security, so we think our approaches is unique. 
Um, but you, you made a comment and it's, it's a, it's a valid one, Randy, that, um, the devices themselves, there is no like standard around how to secure devices. Every company is doing it their own way to James's point a minute ago, companies are inventing their own protocols, you know, to connect these devices, proprietary protocols, proprietary, uh, security solutions. So I, I think there there is vulnerability still at the device itself because there's so many different um, uh, uh, manufactured approaches to to the devices. What we try to do is once the device is connected to us, all the communications, uh, routing, everything of the platform is secure. So, um, and what I mean by that is uh, everything has TLS uh, encryption for transport. So all the protocols we speak, like we speak. HTTP, of course, for REST APIs. Uh, we speak WebSockets. We speak MQTT. We speak CoAP. We speak AllJoin, BLE. Wherever we can encrypt that that protocol uh, transmission in communications, we do that. We also uh, encrypt the payloads. So, you know, it's kind of like an email. You have like a to and a from and, and uh, maybe a subject and then the body. The body is encrypted with AES encryption across uh, every every uh, message that's moved across that that uh, network. We don't store any messages, so they're um, ephemeral. Is that, is that the right word? That's a good one. Um, so we don't store the any messages on the platform. And um, there's one more really interesting, really important part of the, of the security strategy. Uh, it's it's basic role management, but we everything. Everything on Skynet or MeshBlue is a, uh, a UUID. It's a resource. So um, even even other MeshBlue mesh networks or resources, even people, when you create your OctoBlue account, we're going to give you a UUID also that that you're at the same level as the machines, right? Just so if oh, a machine cool. wants to send you a message, they know that your protocol you speak might be SMS or email or a phone call. And when you send a message to the machine, Octoblue is going to say, hey, that machine, the co-op, you know, speaking machine, let's translate, transform that message to something the machine knows how to understand. Um, but but that role that we do, we, we say every UUID has a set of whitelists and blacklists that say, um, what other UUIDs can discover me, can message me, can subscribe to me, or configure me? And uh, you can set up a whole, you know, array of UUIDs that, I mean, it might be a military type type uh, object that no one's allowed to discover it. It's like a stealth sensor somewhere. Only only a tank may be able to message it. Maybe, for instance. Um, so you can really lock down or open up. You know, uh, the way other machines or UUIDs can communicate, discover, listen to activity coming from other other machines or UUIDs. And just for the point of the person who may not be that involved in this but is interested vaguely interested in it the the whole reason for the encryption the the idea of like sniffing this is all happening on a network and if someone was able to listen to network traffic and sometimes it's trivial to do sometimes it's harder but if they are able to get into it that's when the problem uh shows itself now everybody's probably heard of the facebook id thing that happened when you go into starbucks and there was a there was an extension where you could go look at everybody and what they were doing and sign into their account and so on the point here though is that this could be pretty grave as far as um oh just a, one quick example would be a burglar alarm the all these sensors are talking to each other if someone and you know there's a there's a real payload like it's a very rich 
mansion, yada, yada, you know. And they've got this alarm system. If you could listen in on it, if everything was in the clear, you could determine all the patterns you'd need to say, okay, Tuesday night at 3 a.m., we're there, we know how to disable the alarm, blah, blah, blah. So this is the whole point of all of that. And the discovery list, same thing. Um, You don't even want people to be able to see that there's anything there unless it's necessary and uh, a viable way to do things in what you're trying to do. I wanted to break into that because this could get really, you know, it's a little bit uh, opaque for the person who knows what IoT is and is really interested in the light bulbs and all that, but doesn't get why this is so important. Uh, because right yep. now, as you, as you confirm, um, and we've, this has been discussed endlessly, but right now we're in the very early stages, so everybody's making the same mistakes they made in the early days of everything else, and the stuff just isn't that secure. But presumably, this is going to change very quickly. Yep, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I, I like the burglar alarm analogy. I mean, if if you could uh, access it, I mean, if it was if it was in the clear, you're right. You could probably just disable it from sitting outside of their home, right? And you'd know every pattern so, of of movement. I mean, even if it was just a heating system, you could uh, theoretically, if you were watching somebody's vacation home and you knew all the, you were able to actually listen into what was going on just between the machines, and it wouldn't be yep. that much sophistication. But you'd already know whether anybody else is contacting it, you would already know the hours of operation, or maybe on your your main home, um, you've gone to vacation mode. Well, you're, uh, what's the name of those thermostats that Google makes? That, uh, yeah, Nest. Yeah, the Nest thermostats. I mean, if those yeah. things are going, okay, we're in vacation mode now. If that was being broadcast, like, oh, vacation mode. And you could go <laughs> in and look and see how many days is the vacation mode program for. I mean, these yeah. are... I could see a burglary app, right? That's yeah, I mean, that's literally, looking that's at who, who, which house on the block is in vacation. Mode. Totally, yeah. that's exactly exactly right. So this is why these yeah. things need to be looked at carefully. And I mean, it's we're we're in the middle of that, so that's happening. Yeah. So so what we're trying to do is make everything just rock solid, secure from a communications perspective, as well as who's allowed to access or or monitor or control these these devices. So. Um, but but at the end of the day, it's really up to that manufacturer. Uh, have they secured that that endpoint appropriately? Um, and you know, I, I saw something. You know, it was, it was probably a year ago about someone hacked into a baby monitor and they could listen, you know, to a room or something. But you know, that's something that an IoT platform can't stop. If if that end device is 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 uh, has a, a security flaw or a lack of security at the endpoint, they're going to bypass you know the whole IoT platform and go right after a device. So I think it is fair warning that that um, that manufacturers do need to step up uh, their their thinking. I think their security practices and thinking around uh, around these applications. We've seen similar similar problems with routers. So yeah, I mean, that's that's a you've got manufacturers and they don't necessarily uh, cooperate and they may be in other countries or other continents. Um, I wanted to ask you, Chris, let me, let me break and make sure that nobody else wants to jump in, which James may want to, or Michael. Okay, everybody's cool. I just want to ask you what you thought was the most exciting, you know, what are you really excited about in the coming year? Once you're done with all the eating and drinking and partying, if there, if there is such a thing for you, uh, <laughs> what, what in, when you get back to... You know, pounding the desk in uh, in January uh, or you know a couple of months. What what do you see as some of the more exciting things you want to be doing? 
That's a, that's a great question, uh, Randy. You know, uh, we spent a lot of, you know, post-acquisition uh, securing the platform. Um, we, we've also spent a lot of time and effort on um, scaling the platform. So we've improved uh, uh, the, 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 the footprint of how we run these, these automations. Uh, we've made them smaller, more agile, more highly available. So we've spent a lot of time making sure that, that the platform was reliable and secure. Um, next year, uh, we're, we're working on a, um, uh, we call it an admin portal for lack of a, be- a better uh, word, but um, we're, we're adding a lot of GitHub-like uh, administration capabilities to it where you're going to be able to uh, create teams or uh, deploy this throughout your entire company. Like if your company maybe has a thousand employees that want to use Octoblue, we're adding uh, the capability to add teams and organizations talk to Blue, where you can now share all of those devices or control. Like maybe maybe everyone in in the Paris office can has access. Maybe not configure access, but maybe uh, messaging access to all of the lighting or our beacons in in the conference rooms or whatever. So you as as an employee uh, of the company could then create your own automations using company company IOT devices. So we think that that uh, will drive a, a, a greater adoption uh, of the product uh, from, you know, in, in offices. Um, but we also are looking at the ability to um, scale the plat- scale the automations uh, exponentially in, in a similar way where you might be able to say, I want to build an automation for a dump truck. You know, when the dump truck uh, breaks this geofence, open the security gates, you know, kind of, kind of James Bodie's, you know, mom's coming home scenario. Um, but, but to, to, to the point where you, you build the automation one time and then you say, deploy this to 10,000 dump trucks. So um, I, I think that those two efforts, I think are going to be really, really interesting for Octoblue uh, in, in this coming year. So scale, scale, like one automation powering, tens of thousands of, of, of uh, similar devices or similar flow, you know, scenarios. And then the ability to bring lots of people in, in the organization to teams kind of like GitHub does uh, and allow them to all share, share the automations and devices uh, that the company owns. Seems to me that it's obvious we need to, in the next uh, couple of months, do an actual demo of Octablue and what can be done. Um, we're, we're not doing video today anyway, so that's fine. But uh, we need to get you back, so I need to get you to commit to uh, to agree to come back in the next, I don't know, 60 to 90 days, and we'll do a, an actual event. Can that would be that? fun. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a lot of fun. And, and we should have an a, a alpha version of that uh administration uh, uh, portal uh, working by then. So that'd be good timing. That'd be fantastic. I'm tempted to ask Tim if he has anything to say, but since he just walked in the room, uh, I'm not sure he's been following what's been going on. Oops, James just left. He's uh, Is he hearing me? Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear that Tim is, is coming to Phoenix here like in another week or two. I'm going to get to yeah, see my buddy. I'm, I'm, um, I've just booked it. Um, I'm not sure plan out but we'll see how it goes oh i'm so excited tim what is it in phoenix that's right i forgot your base there that's why we met there uh chris yeah what's happening in phoenix guys 
we have a an IoT dev fest. Um, we we've we've got a room capacity of two hundred people. Uh, Citrix is a sponsor. Google is a sponsor. Local Motors, uh, with you know that makes the rally fighter in that three D printed car that I was telling you we connected. They're sponsors. Um, and Intel and Microchip, they're all giving uh, some boards and stuff. So we're just trying to, you know, we, we hold a regular IoT meetup in Phoenix that, that brings in about 40 to 50 people on a monthly basis together. And we thought it was time to actually have a real conference. Um, we're helping uh, a gentleman named Mike Wolfson uh, pull together this this uh, conference, and we're hoping to uh, uh sell sell out 200 seats um you know full full day one track uh iot uh conference so we're, we're pretty excited about that it'll be uh catered i think breakfast and lunch and a lot of a lot of good speakers fantastic okay anybody else have anything yeah am i live yes yep. i am you are live yeah out because yeah. Now, in, in vegas that i'm going to so i thought uh but it's not doing anything on saturday so i thought I'd go to that uh, go over to Phoenix as well. That's right. Awesome. I wasn't going to, you know, I was just going to uh, think about uh, like Tim's hair all of a sudden. We'd all go, gone, Tim. You've made up for it by uh, by being extremely well fed. And my uh, my LTE is very lumpy today. Um, I was going to say something about, um, I think what um, OxaBlue customers need is some kind of civil service which, as, uh, as Chris says, allows you to deploy uh, applications globally very quickly and very easily. But also you need to, to, to manage the, um, the security of things in something not too similar to the way um, that Metrics um, manages access to the communication systems using something like a, an ephemeral blockchain-based authentication system, which makes... Make, which would make the whole thing very uh, secure. Am I burbling? I am burbling. I'm as surprised him as that got at me. Is it too early for the drinking to begin, or what? <laughs> I, knew, I, well, I probably need to drink here. My <laughs> wife came up to give me a prod and say, um, are you going to start getting changed ready to go out to a New Year's Eve party? It's not and even she, 4 o'clock yet. And she waved to us. <laughs> and she waved to us. Yeah. And Chris, it's clear you didn't get a, a Bluetooth enabled razor for Christmas, isn't it? No. I'm I'm taking the whole the whole shaving thing off for Christmas. Uh I think you could probably embed some devices in that moustache of yours. <laughs> like a windshield wiper like that. Just <laughs> well, well a little thing like at the end or something like that. <laughs> well, that'd be fun. So hey, you know you... pressing buttons to to make your, your moustache light up. That'd be good. Hey, you mentioned blockchain, and I think we probably will will use that. Um, you know, right now, you know, a lot of the code, eighty percent of OctaBlue is open source, and um, the Mesh network itself, Mesh Blue, is also open source. And um, we were talking about how do you make a better Mesh, like a global Mesh. Uh, we were talking about maybe wrapping Mesh Blue inside of our gateway, so that every time you deploy a GateBlue gateway, software gateway it automatically is its own mesh network in the home or, or whatever. And we were talking about really how, how do you, how do these mesh networks, you know, that just pop up know how to route and who's, who's who, and you know, also security. And we're thinking the blockchain might be uh, the right vehicle to like when these mesh networks pop online, 
they could go and look, you know, who, who it's almost like a, like a DNS, like a, a blockchain DNS, if you will, to find out who, who, what other mesh blue networks are around and how to route. So we're not well, there I'm yet. We're still we, whiteboarding. I'm thinking we could probably use something like uh, uh, matrix.org technologies to do exactly that. Matrix. The moment, matrix on applications um, channels, but there's no reason why you shouldn't use the same to um, for things like IoT clouds. Uh, I, in fact, wouldn't it be fun to get uh, Matthew and Chris Matthew, the Matthews, together Matthew, and, uh, and bolt them together and uh, and see what happens? Yeah, That'd I be- didn't know. I didn't know about Matrix, but this is pretty interesting. Actually, I think we might warp space and time if we get those two in the same place. <laughs> or create a black hole some, some. <laughs> yeah, Matthew is is totally brilliant, just as you are. But I'm, oh, I'm amazed that two haven't really got together in the same place at the same time because uh, they're absolutely awesome. I'm, I'm just thinking that... Uh, there could be some brilliant mash-up, mash-up-y type things coming out of that, and Tim wants to say something. I fear that that'll be Skynet in the making. <laughs> <laughs> Skynet in the Matrix. <laughs> Skynet Matrix. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if um, you want to try this, Chris, but um, Matthew's in 4G land as well, and what we were going to do, I was going to start a new session, which just means me clicking and stopping the recording for a second, to see if his audio is any good. So if you want to hang around, we can do that. But I'm going to stop yeah. this. Yeah, well, you, yeah you, you need to be introduced to, to Matthew because he's brilliant. Absolutely, absolutely. But I'm going to stop this recording, and just in case anything goes haywire... I'm going to thank you, Chris, right now for joining us. And it's been too long, and I want you to come back in the next couple of months, and we'll do a full session of the VUC with video and one of your amazing demos. Will do. Thank you very much, Randy, for for inviting me. And gosh, it's so good to see you guys, and I'll stick around. Hey, that was the bleeding edge of the IP communications and VoIP community. We're at VUC.me on the web. Thanks to Simwood.com, who can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our host at PBX is provided by OnSIP.com. The site at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. We use ZipDX.com for our wideband, full-featured conference bridge. And our local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time, see you next week.